Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of Romans. Today is episode 542. We're looking at Romans chapter 9, verses 1 through 5. Let's read our passage. I speak the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience testifies to me through the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the benefit of my brothers and sisters, my own flesh and blood. They are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the temple service, and the promises. The ancestors are theirs, and from them, by physical descent, came the Christ, who is God over all, praised forever. Amen. This is Paul's letter to the church in Rome. He's writing this from Corinth on his third missionary journey. He intends to go to Rome on his way to Spain after he goes to Jerusalem with the collection. He wants to strengthen the church in Rome. And he's given them this theology of the gospel. And we get some hints later on in chapter 11 that there might be some tension between the Jews and the Gentiles in the church in Rome. So by Jews, these would be Jewish Christians. And Paul's looking to to bring some reconciliation to them. And part of his discussion of the gospel is a question of, well, what about the Old Testament law? What about the Old Testament altogether? What about the Jews? What about Israel? And that's what he's beginning here in this section. Chapters 9 through 11 are really the question, what about Israel? Has God given up on Israel? Is the Old Testament still valid? What do we do with all of that? So there seems to be some tension between the Jews who are Christians in the church in Rome and the Gentiles in the church. And one of the questions for both of them is, how much are we still tied to the Old Testament law? What do we do with all of this? And some of the issues are in the Old Testament, it portrays Israel, the Israelites, as the chosen people, God's chosen people. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6, God says, The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people. That's why we often call the Jews the chosen people. They were chosen by God to be this chosen race, this chosen people. But earlier, we saw last time, Paul used the term the elect to refer to Christians. As I explained then, elect just means chosen. So he's calling the Christians the chosen people. So is Israel the chosen people or Christians the chosen people? We first began the letter to the Romans back in chapter 1, verse 16. He said, the gospel is first of all to the Jews. But you've got this issue that the majorities of the Jews have rejected the gospel. And the promises that seem to have been set out for the Jewish people seem to be applied to the Christians now. Abraham's heirs, God's adopted children, possessors of the Spirit, heirs of God's glory. You read the Old Testament, it sounds like those are the sort of things being promised to the Israelites, and Paul's applying them to the Christian people. So has the church replaced Israel? Is the Old Testament still valid? Is the gospel consistent with the Old Testament? These are kind of questions that are bubbling up, and Paul wants to deal with them. 
some of his motivation is to try and bring about some reduction in the tension between the Jews and the Gentiles in the church. But this is also part of the theology of the gospel. This isn't really the central point of it all, but it's an important point. And he spends three chapters in his letter dealing with this issue. Let's begin chapter 9, verse 1. He says, I speak the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience testifies to me through the Holy Spirit. But he's been very adamant here. What I'm saying is true. And part of what Paul's dealing with is his reputation. Paul's got this reputation as being anti-Jewish. But he's trying to appeal to both the Jewish people in Rome and the Gentile people in Rome. And he wants to assure both of them that what he's saying here is important and true. He goes on, verse 2, that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. So he's laying out his heart here that this, this is a big deal to him because he's talking about the Jewish people. And he is a Jew. These are his brothers and sisters, ethnically, fellow Jews. And so he sounds a lot like some of the lamenting prophets of the Old Testament here about his sorrow about these people. Verse 3 says, For I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the benefit of my brothers and sisters, my own flesh and blood. Well, it sounds like he would accept being cut off from God, actual damnation, if it would save the Jewish people. He uses the term here, it's translated as cursed. Different translations use different words. Some even use anathema, which is a transliteration of the Greek word here, anathema. Anathema really picks up an idea from the Old Testament. It's used uh, in the Greek translation of the Old Testament for the Hebrew word karam which means something set apart for destruction for the Lord. That's how Jericho was described when the Israelites came into the promised land and they were told Jericho would be destroyed, but it would be left as a offering for God. And so something that would be utterly destroyed as like an offering for God would be something that would be anathema. Well, somewhat changed over time. and. The rabbis actually used it as a term for excommunication, so to be cut off from the people of God. That's pretty much how Paul's using it here, this idea of being excommunicated from the people of God with a loss of all the benefits of being a child of God. Now, does he really mean that? I mean, that's a big deal, saying I would go forever to hell if that would save my Jewish brothers and sisters. Well, if he kind of go back to the verb where he says, I could wish that I myself were cursed. I could wish. It's kind of difficult to translate that because it's an imperfect tense, which usually means a past tense, but it's also middle voice. And so most translators think this is more really a, a hypothetical where I could wish. So I would pray if it were permissible to really pray for that, and if it really would, benefit for them. And and so the whole point here is he's just bearing his heart here. I really hurt for my Jewish brothers and sisters who have rejected the gospel. God has invited them to know him through the gospel, but they have 
continually rejected him. Not 100%. There are Jews who are followers of Christ. But by and large, the Jewish people have rejected the gospel. This is a big deal to him. Sounds a lot like Moses in Exodus 32, where you had the golden calf incident. And God says, stand back, Moses, I'm going to destroy the people. So in Exodus 32, you start with verse 31. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Oh, these people have committed a grave sin. They have made a god of gold for themselves. Now, if you would only forgive their sin, but if not, please erase me from the book you have written. So you see Moses here throwing himself before God, say, God, I, I pray that you would forgive them. But if you cannot forgive this, because this is a big deal, take me, pour out your wrath on me instead of these people. And so you have some kind of similar idea here from Paul of they have re rejected God. And if he could step in the place, he would. He can't, and he knows that, but he's just sharing his heart here. He goes on to explain it, verses 4 and 5. He says, they are Israelites. Now pause there. He'd been using the term Jews a lot up to this point. And when he's using the term Jews, generally he's kind of making the distinction between the Jews and the Gentiles. The Jews are ethnically a group of people versus the Gentiles who are not Jews. Here he's taken it back to pretty much Old Testament covenant language, Israelites, because that's the people that God established these covenants with. This is God's chosen people, the Israelites. Now, what's the difference between an Israelite and a Jew? Well, actually, if you go back in the Bible to when they first were formed as a people. They were often called the Hebrews because they spoke the Hebrew language. But as they really came out of Egypt, they really became more known as Israelites. And then they became the nation of Israel. But after the kingdom was divided, after the death of Solomon, we had the northern kingdom of Israel, the southern kingdom of Judah, the northern kingdom was obliterated. So you just had the southern kingdom of Judah, and hence they became known as Jews. So really, the term Israelite, he's taking it back further to, he's not really talking about the ethnic people. He's talking about the group of people that God established his covenants with. So he says, they're Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the temple service, and the promises. Basically saying, God revealed himself to these people. And it just is heartbreaking that these are the people now who are rejecting the gospel. All these things have been given to them. All these things have been revealed to them. But it seems to have not mattered. I use the term adoption. He talked earlier back in chapter 8 about Christians being adopted by God. He said it a little different way here. Because in chapter 8, he was talking about individuals being adopted as children of God. Here he's talking more the language of Israel, the nation, as the Son of God. All these things that God had done through them, with them, around them, and for them, it's just heartbreaking that they're now not receiving the gospel. He goes on in verse 5. The ancestors are theirs, and from them, by physical descent, came the Christ, who is God over all, praised forever. Amen. So the ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, promises were made to them. 
and then through physical descent came the Christ, Jesus the Christ. So even though they had all these things, and even though it was through them now that you have Jesus being born, the Christ, the Savior, the Messiah, it doesn't seem to have mattered. Now, important thing here, by physical descent came the Christ, who is God over all, praised forever. Amen. Here you have a, this declaration of the divinity of Jesus Christ. So Paul's just beginning this argument. It's going to go all through chapters 9, 10, and 11 about what about Israel? Has God given up on Israel? Here he's just basically laying out his heart. This is heartbreaking for Paul. His fellow countrymen, his fellow Jews, his brothers and sisters ethnically who have the Old Testament, who have the law, who have the temple, who have all these things of God and have had all these experiences with God, who've had the prophets, all that just seems to have run into a brick wall. And so what about it? What's the theology of this? So you're going to continue through chapter 9 into chapter 11 and explain, well, God really hasn't given up on Israel, and the Old Testament is still valid. The Gospel and the Old Testament, they go together. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through Romans.